Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is David Fox and I'm an analyst here. Um, and today our subject is all about education within ITAM and software asset management. Um, I'm joined by two extremely um, highly thought of guests within the education ITAM space. Um, first of all, we have Mr. Adam Ayer. Hello, Adam. Hey, how you doing, David? I'm very well, thank you. Um, please tell our listeners a bit about yourself and um, how, how you're making waves in the ITAM education space. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Adam Mayer. I'm with License Logic, and we also have a well, our main membership is the License Logic Institute. Uh, my company focuses on software licensing and software asset management and education around that. Uh, we train the oldest certification since 1994, the Certified Software Manager course, and then we've built upon it. We have the Advanced Software Manager, the Expert Software Manager, and then we have Pro courses. Our main goal is to uh, our key audience is end users. Uh, we have some information about in terms of building community, no vendors allowed uh, is, is kind of our main goal, and that's because we're in a state right now where we have software asset management, and then we also have the software publisher um, providing software asset management. So in terms of our community, we believe that's a conflict of interest. And we try to want to build a community around end users that, that want to be compliant, want to manage their licenses effectively, but also may have to ask questions or want to find out information where they're unsure uh, where to go to, and they want to feel comfortable. So we're beginning to build a community focused on end users, um, where they can be, you know, feel comfortable talk amongst themselves, and uh, you know, ask questions that might be delicate if the yeah. vendor was in the room. Cool. Thanks, Adam. And we also have Mr. Dave Kelsey. Hello, Dave. Oh yeah. Um, Wow, that was a very Hi-ya. deep robotic <laughs> sorry. <voice> there. <laughs> sorry, I've just, I've just got back from uh, an event show, and I think I might have um, exerted uh, my talking abilities too much. So, too much screaming and shouting. Yeah, I think it was um, the uh, the after party. So, okay. Do you want to um, ex- uh, give a brief introduction to um, yourself? Yeah, I'm the product manager for the service manager management area um, for the BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT. Um, we have a number of um, a number of um, goals to achieve um, and primarily that's around ensuring that we are doing uh, good for the society uh, that we serve, which is obviously the IT professions. Uh, myself, I look after a number of portfolio, um, a, a number of products within a portfolio, uh, specifically around service management. And IT asset management and software asset management forms a growing um, area of focus for us at the second. Excellent. And we have um, Mr. Martin Thompson as well. Hello, Martin. How do, David? How do, how do. Uh, do you want to tell the audience who you are if, if they needed to know? You not, know, not, know? Not really, but I think you ought to tell the listeners about what you just did to your thumb before you started the podcast. 
It was my finger, and yeah, I went to make a cup of tea, and I went into the cutlery drawer and sliced it, and my finger is falling off. Um, so if, if I make it towards the end of the podcast, then, you know, it'll be a miracle. But uh, I'm not being over dramatic or anything, but, you know, I can definitely see bone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right, first, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I can't really see bone, but hey. Um, first question, gents. Um bit of an easy one, but one that kind of is unanswered within the ITAM world. And why isn't there any form of ITAM or SAM training at grassroots level? Now, what I mean by that is why isn't there an ITAM or SAM element of, um, for the UK listeners like A-level or GCSEs um, or in colleges or universities, why isn't it part of the IT or business modules, if you like? Because at the moment, all I'm hearing about is there's SAM and ITAM shortages you know, there aren't enough, you know, young people joining the industry. There's a, you know, real shortage at the moment of entry-level and mid-level professionals. But that's obviously going to happen when people don't know about it through the education process. So why do you think ITAM hasn't been picked up yet by any of the um, education boards? Anyone can kick this one off. I'll take a stab at it. Um, you know, I think at least... You know, from the U.S., uh, my perspective, you know, I've taught mainly U.S. folks, some international, but mainly U.S. I always feel the folks that we teach are, you know, in, it's a wide range, but there is a good group of folks that didn't even know what software asset management was or software licensing until they got an audit, until they got some sort of, they heard of a neighbor uh, uh, being threatened by the BSA or the SIA. Yeah. I, I think it's this young uh, educational uh, endeavor where, you know, when you, when you go buy, when a company goes and buys software, they don't necessarily think, hey, I need to go out and get the best license. No, they're, they're looking at software. They want to get the best product. Yeah. And the license is, as we know, those of us on this podcast, is very complex and can really help you determine as a business which product to choose because of the license. But a business or an organization, you know, when they go and use software, I think they don't really think about the contract. And, and that makes sense. It's kind of this weird thing where it's one of the only products that I can go to Best Buy or to Fry's, which is a, I don't know if you guys have that there, but electronic store where I can go, you know, I can go buy from Best Buy a, a computer. I can go buy from Best Buy a toaster and I can return it the next day. I can open it up out of the box. I can return it. No problem. If I go buy software, open it up out of the box and try to go return to Best Buy, there's some problems there. You know, it's weird because it's, it's this product that comes with these can be very complex contracts. So from my perspective, uh, your knowledge level, you don't see software asset management, you don't see software licensing classes, and that's my main focus. I'd love to hear uh, the, the ITM and the hardware side as well. Um, but they don't think about the contractual issues, which really, as you do with software asset management, you're monitoring, you're managing your software based upon the metric that was given to you allocated by this contract. So I think it's just kind of unknowing. The only area that I think uh, 
lends itself to, you know, software asset management at the at the college or after would be anything in regards to contracts. But you don't you don't necessarily link the two. You know, it's it, it, when you deal with contract law and law school, it's you know, it's buying businesses, it's it's doing all sorts of contracts. So you'd recommend kind of like a contracts management and module rather than a full-on SAM or software licensing module to, you know, existing IT or business courses? Well, it's the only thing that I can think of right now where you can go be a, a lawyer with one of your focuses on contract with contracts. I, I Obviously, with software asset management, what I teach is, you know, the after effect of once you already have the contract, but and that's that license agreement. But to get at the, I don't know, this is this philosophical question of grassroots efforts, you know, why isn't there a, a class on software asset management? Uh, to kind of circle back around to that, I just don't think people think about it. You know, I, I'm still to this day, I've been in uh, with license logic since 2002, I still to this day tell my neighbors what I do. You know, it's, <laughs> it's it's kind of this, and I guess that's kind of your point. Why don't more people know about it? Uh, and it, it's just one of those things that uh, the reason why you got to manage your software is because of this metric that was given to you. You know, it's the it's the industry where. It's not uncommon where you hand over money to a software publisher before you see the contract, before you click I agree. You know, you yeah. go rent a car, that money transaction, you know, here your, your life is at stake, you know, renting a car, but yet they're walking through, you know, when I go rent a car at an airport, they walk you through, you got to initial this document, you got initial here, you got to sign here, and they're kind of walking you through this contract. But that doesn't, doesn't happen with Sam. With software, you don't get that, and so, you know, it's tough for people to, to relate to that. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do click this. I agree. Um, yeah, but they haven't got a clue what it means. Yeah, and, and so it's, you know, for software, on the software side, it's, you know, it's also something that's not tangible, right? You know, it can be you install it, you don't feel it, you don't touch it. I think that adds to the complexity of, of people not knowing about it, whereas, excuse me, with, with servers and with hardware, desktops, mobile phones, tablets, etc., people are actually touching it every day. They actually physically see it. Uh, they may not use that, that tablet every day. They may not use that one desktop every day or that server doesn't get used, but they physically see it. And I think that plays a major role as well. I mean, I'm just kind of going off the cuff here. Uh, that's a very good, interesting uh, philosophical question, but I think, you know, I want to challenge you guys. I want to see a challenging question. Um, Dave, quickly, what, why do you think that um, within the UK there isn't any form of samurai tam um, training or, you know, education at grassroots level, as we'll call it? I think the, um, one of the most basic question, uh, basic answers to that is the fact that it's not sexy, to be honest with you. I mean, the government is pushing... What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, on, on school curriculums now, everything's code. 
Um, so you know, toddlers, um, you know, toddlers learn to code, and and that's great for you know, from four year olds or national. I'm sure they'll develop into very rounded software programs. But um, like Adam said, a lot of people, I think, uh, with regards to asset management, whether it's software or more, more general IT asset management, um, tend to fall into it. I know that I certainly did. Um, and, and you, you kind of evolve, um, you know, via your IT service management journey in, into doing it. And I, I think that because of, you know, that, um, that, that, that factor that nobody is aware of it, um, because IT in itself is inherently, you know, how many, how many conversations do you have with people when they say to you, uh, you know, what do you do? And you go, oh, I'm, I'm in IT. And you just see the see the faces glaze over it's because yeah. it doesn't have that kind of um, but if you yeah it doesn't have that kind of uh, of mass appeal um, and I think that's down to you know down to a, a number of factors um, you know our industry in itself doesn't help itself I don't think um, but we do need to be getting out there to you know schools and universities and everything else and promoting the benefits of it. Because it's only later in life, as you as you go down your service management journey, um, that you, you you find find this nugget of uh, of really exciting um, stuff that you could be doing. Sexy stuff as well. Sexy stuff. Uh, yeah, Martin, why why do you think um, it isn't at grassroots level? I mean, you've got kids. Would would you like them to be taught about SAM or ITAM in like a business degree or an IT degree or A levels? I think it is out there in pockets. Um, we were at the uh, SITS, the ITSM show this week, and there was a few um, university folks walking around. There, there, there's certainly people studying ITSM at university, and I think it's only a matter of time before there's more widespread adoption of ITAM within there as well. There's the doctorate in the US. There's a there's a um, some form of doctorate for ITAM in the US. I'm not sure how widely adopted it is or how many people have got it, but there is that is option. Um, and I think I've heard uh, rumours on the jungle drums in the industry around, around a few apprenticeship schemes as well. Um, so actually get SAM and ITAM apprentices to actually fill some of that void that you mentioned, David, about not enough people in the industry. Um, and I think it, another thing that came to mind when the other two guys were speaking was that it's not all about IT. So... If you look at all the activity, like Dave mentioned about coding, it's also about apps, it's about copyright, it's about IP. It's not an IT thing. It can actually be a contract law or, or a, a business discipline. Um, how popular it will be is another matter. It might be one of, one of these begrudging things like statistics that everyone has to learn whether they like want to or not. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it, apprenticeship schemes are great, but at the end of the day, those apprentices are still going to go into it not knowing, you know, even the baby of SAM, if we taught the basics of SAM or ITAM at that kind of level, admittedly some people may switch off and find it boring, but there are going to be those geeks like ourselves that find it really interesting and think it's sexy and want to build a career in it. Absolutely. Well, I think, I think that, uh, you know, I think it's a, a good conversation to have where, you know, maybe Martin and, and, and you, David, could start to reach out to universities. I, I, I would, uh, that's one of my target audiences here in the U.S. is universities. And if we want to reach out, I mean, there's a lot of universities that, that uh, deal with software asset management. They deal with 
Martin mentioned copyrights, you know, for a while. That, that's a big issue on campus, uh, you know, students coming in the fold. I think it's a good it's a good conversation to, you know, try to get organized at least, uh, maybe reach out to more universities and, and big universities, you know. It's also something uh, that be... At least in the U.S. or U.K. And, and uh, you know, try to get some organized efforts, uh, meetings, some general broadcasts. And I, I think they would be interested in it. I think they would be interested in it. At the ground level, at the... Younger than university, I don't think it's sexy enough. You know, it's. I, I agree with Dave on that as well. I, I don't see. You know, my kid, I have two daughters, and you know they can't wait for summer. You know, <laughs> you know it's just because uh, they're going to learn all about Sam, aren't they? Yeah, jeez, oh, yeah, right. I think there's also an argument that Sorry, says Bob. that. Um, that this licensing stuff should actually be part of the entrepreneurship as well. So if you're, if you're learning about business and entrepreneurship and building apps and coding, then I think you should learn about the mechanisms of how you're going to sell this stuff. Because ultimately, you know, software's eating the world. Software is everywhere. And the way that people transact software is through licensing. And I think there's got a general awareness about if you're going to build something, that this is how licensing works. This is how copyright works. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, how, if if you guys are saying that Sam or licensing isn't sexy, how do we make it more appealing and sexy to younger people to bring them into the industry to help with the skill shortage? I mean, Dave, obviously going to uh, conferences like yesterday, um, like yesterday and the day before, you know, you lost your voice. You obviously had a good time. You know, it's obviously a sexy event. So how can we? Yeah. Have that into I think part of it is is raising just raising um, a general awareness, and I think um, you know, not to plug my own company, but um, I think you know the BCS, amongst other companies, has a role to play in that um, because of the fact that a lot of the software asset management and IT asset management, and how complex it is, there are fundamental um, gaps in that knowledge um, where should we be able to get into you know stuff onto the curriculum whether it's only a module on the basics of asset management with regards to you know all these disciplines um, I think that's a starting point I think conferences events just general promotion of those that actually want to drive it forward will always help um, I know that there's a lot of conferences over in the US, um, you have the SAM Summit and places like these, I'm sure that they get, you know, big attendance and this type of stuff. But again, those are for people who are generally already in, you know, in our profession. Yeah. Um, how you get it, but, you know, before that stage, I think Martin's right in so much as that you, we've now lived in an age where everything's bring your own device, even to, even to schools and universities and this type of stuff. There has to be an educational level of understanding, you know, from that point forward. Um, as security um, is obviously a major uh, hot topic at the second. Um, and as that becomes more of a focus for the mainstream population, I think the trickle effect obviously will be, it will naturally suck in other areas like asset management and licensing and this type of stuff. The problem is at the end of the day, licensing management is, is inherently complex. Um, yeah. Just a, a, a bit of a call out. If there's anyone, uh, if we're fortunate enough to have anyone on the podcast that is a either a student of IT or is a 
working at a university, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Martin. Um, going on from that, how would you make ITAM sexy and more appealing then? I mean, we've got the ITAM review now. That is sexy as hell. I mean, the homepage, the content, it's just, you know, on point, obviously. Um, so how, how would you further that and reach out to the, the next generation of ITAM professionals? Uh, for me, you know, for me, when I, I think you kind of have to do a little bit of the rebellious things, uh, like um, uh, when, when you and Martin are dealing with the clear licensing, the, yeah. the campaign for clear licensing initiative, because of the fact that uh, what's been mentioned is that it does get into these complexities. Um, you are dealing, you know, I thought the entrepreneur comment was very excellent. Hey, you want to build a software product? You want to build an app? Great. How are you going to distribute it? How do you plan to make a living on it if that's your intention? Uh, you know, I think if you start to create that awareness where you say, how are you going to distribute it? By the way, these are complex licensing uh, there's groups out there, uh, successful, unsuccessful, in, in trying to change the industry, trying to get these, you know, large corporations, these large publishers, to, to change their license agreements, uh, change their their contracts. I think if we kind of, you know, have these initiatives where, uh, whether you're a, a new entrepreneur trying to create new uh, ideas and platforms, how are you going to distribute, to, oh my gosh, man, th this is complex. This might be an interesting path for me to go down. I didn't know it could be so complex, right? So um, I think people just don't, again, it kind of goes back to my neighbors in my neighborhood. You know, they, they don't know what I do still. You know, I've lived next to them for, since 2004. Um and uh, I, I think I do a good job of articulating what I do, but you know they're always kind of perplexed by it. When you when you say that word software, they immediately think I'm a coder, and yeah. unfortunately I'm not. Uh, and I say that because I do have a a lot of ideas for apps and things like that, and gotten involved with that development side. I know a little bit, but uh, so it, it, I think that you know to to make it sexy, to make it, um, you know, start saying, listen, there's, these are complex agreements. Uh, companies, individuals may not understand it. Look how complex they are. Look at the big guy. You know, you can point to the Microsofts, the Oracles of the world to say, you know, hey, these are big guys. Uh, they're produ producing a lot of good products, but sometimes they're producing very cumbersome and not end user friendly licenses. And if, if that was out there more, uh, you know, that might reach to the inner self. You know, I like, uh, I like to think I'm a fighter. Um, I'm not necessarily that, but I like to think that. And I think that's sometimes people need, need something to, to fight for, you know, and, and, and uh, they go out and buy a piece of software at the local store or 
online and they don't like it, well, they don't really have a recourse for that. They can't go out and sell it on eBay very easily, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, once they start to realize that, and maybe they should say, hey, I should get involved in this industry. Maybe I can make a change. Well, it's all right, Adam. My own mother doesn't still know what on earth I do. And my dad's in IT, and we try and explain it to her, but it just goes straight over her head, and she just <laughs> thinks I play about with software all day, which is not what we do. But, um, Dave, you mentioned earlier about um, our industry. It doesn't really help itself. And I had a conversation with um, the owner of a managed service provider the other day, and he was saying about how they're struggling to find expert resources. You know, they've got the money, they've got the facilities, they really want to expand and bring on, you know, new expertise for various vendors and SAM in general. But they just simply can't find the people with the right skills or that have been in the industry long enough. So surely by not making ITAM sexy and by not actively trying to have some sort of SAM or ITAM or license management or contract management module at you know the apprenticeship kind of level. It's just shooting ourselves in the foot because surely we're just going to end up with having people that might fall into it at a later stage and not actually having any new blood in the industry. Yeah, I fully agree. I, mean, I had a conversation. I was at a meeting um, a couple of weeks ago, where the people there were talking about apprentices and and you know filling this gap on this specific topic of getting stuff into into you know into universities and this type of stuff, and you know it's yeah every point is accurate. We, if we don't um, keep on promoting it, if we don't push it, there will be a skills gap, and you know you the, the top people will be paid more and more. By you know, by making those companies that want to you know want to keep them, um, it's definitely obviously something that the apprentice level needs to be considered. And I know a lot of uh, apprentices, um, certainly certainly in the UK, apprenticeships are you know are starting to take off again. Um, and it, it's down to you know people in, in our industry and organisations like you know thankfully like the BCS who have um, a large outreach to universities um, because of, you know, of the brand reputation that we have um, to you know, start engaging with them more and trying to push these uh, these qualifications, not necessarily qualifications, but you know, just a module you know, of a product onto their syllabus um, and be involved with the universities, perhaps you know, on open days and this type of stuff. I don't know how exactly how it works, but um, Getting some, you know, promotion out to these, um, these these institutes of education to let them know what ITAM is about and to um, you know start firing up people to become interested in it. Yeah, Martin, do you think that with the lack of education at um, grassroots level and um, ITAM and SAM? you know, experts and employees getting older and lack of fresh blood. Do you think the market could get a bit stale and a bit kind of, yeah? I think there's plenty, of, there's, there's, plenty of new, there's plenty of new blood coming in. It's just it's not fast enough. Um, there's a number of ITAM businesses in the UK that would increase their business tomorrow if they could hire more people, like you said. Um, I'm not, you know... Apprenticeship is one one method. Uh, 
I know a few companies are are finding talent in India, for example, that's a lot cheaper and outsourcing some Sam's capabilities. There's there's different options. Well, that, that was gonna that leads me down to my next. My question is: Do you guys find that that there's more outsourcing? Because you know, I look at kind of the broad spectrum as if I kind of preach that we've got the contract. But a lot of companies look at software asset management. They don't necessarily. They kind of deal with the with the metrics, which is kind of after the contract's been signed and agreed to. And do you find that more and more companies are starting to outsource? Uh, you know, Martin or Dave or David. Do you find more companies are starting to outsource to the likes of India, uh, wherever? Uh, kind of these the software asset management components we're seeing quite a lot of interest in sound managed services providers um, and when we in fact David's in the up to your eyeballs in it now aren't you David yep I'm mean, indeed um, and, but the last time we reviewed sound managed service providers which was about 18 months ago uh, we asked a lot of the customers a lot of the end users who were actually using the services why did you outsource and it wasn't a financial decision. It wasn't, um, you know, to, to, because it was cheaper to outsource. It was because they couldn't get their hands. The, the biggest the biggest motivator for outsourcing to a sound management service provider, which lends itself to this podcast, is because they couldn't get their hands on the right expertise to look after the contracts, you know. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or if they could get hold of them, they couldn't keep hold of them. Yeah, and I, I think... Uh, I can see that, and I think one of the issues that the software as a management industry has, because there is no grassroots education, I remember uh, speaking to a colleague of mine years ago, is that because there's no grassroots, there's also means the entry level to claim one as a SAM consultant doesn't exist. Uh, and, you know, they could be off the street almost having managed uh, a thousand users and then get into the world of, of consulting and, and be, a quote unquote, an expert. Um, well, I think you, I think you don't, don't you, out there in, don't, don't you guys bring a sort of a, a watermark there, though, because most people that are trying to get a SAM job need to have a, a SAM qualification? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope that, you know, whether it's License Logics or EI TIMS or IBSMAs, you know, I hope you guys check out License Logics, of course. Um, but, but nonetheless, uh, you, you go out and, uh, you know, yes, we'd like to have that baseline, right? I want to create that baseline. But, Still, I find that, you know, still today I find folks at the large, you know, some of the big three audit firms, you know, are just taking some analysts that moving them over to software asset management without no experience, and they're doing an audit on some of the folks that attend our class. And the, the folks that attend our class are, yeah, I have to go, we're getting audited by these, these people, and we know more about the licensing than they do. And, because there's no, and I think this goes back to the grassroots. There's no baseline grassroots 
um, doctrine yeah. to you know it's not it's not until after you jump in the fold that you might go out and get an education a certification something like that and and, and I hope that you do obviously uh, but so, uh, so you know, Dave, based on that. Um, how are the BCS and their SAM courses going to kind of like Adam's point? You know, they're people have come in off the streets, probably not off the streets, but um, how how are the BCS going to kind of separate the the proper SAM experts through their courses and then the kind of admin nine to five level SAM? Well, I think this uh, probably a, a more slightly more wider question about certification, um, in so much as that we are kind of moving away from the foundation level only multiple choice, you know, 65 percent in pass mark, um, you know, type of uh, type of certification to uh, multi layered ones. So you have a foundation which is, as the name suggests, open to. Um, you know, people who studied the course and everything else and read the books and this type of stuff, but should be aimed at a very basic level. Um, what we what we tend what we're tending to see is that the requirement for a practitioner and then a, you know a professional and then a expert and then blah 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 and everything else. You know, the hierarchical um, way of doing certifications is that the practitioner and the professional levels are a new basis for. Um, demonstrating that particular ability to do that job. So when you have foundation level, which is 50 questions, multiple choice, the practitioner one would be, um, there would be four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten modules with a minimum of you know, five, six, whatever, however it's set up. Um, but each of those modules would be very much more focused on a very specific uh, requirement. Um, you know, we're taking my time, for example, you would have one on, um, uh, go into more depth in software asset management, one in hardware asset management, one in, you know, one in uh, security, mobile device management, everything else that, you know, that is required to demonstrate that you actually know a bit more about this particular job. Um, the high level ones would even, you know, go towards um, work-based assessments. So you'd have to submit a piece of work that would be, you know, marked off or you produce some, um, an essay, for example, something that, you know, you have a scenario-based situation where you actually have to disseminate the information that's given to you and produce a business case, for example. Um, that seems to be where the, you know, where the, the certification paths seem to be going. So by doing that, certification is brilliant, um, obviously, but it's, you know, there is still an element of, of real-world work experience that you can only get from doing on-the-job training. Um, I think that's where apprenticeships are really starting to show you know, major promise. If you can have a certification, or it doesn't matter whose certification it is, linked to a core component of the apprenticeship, that person who is doing the apprenticeship is only demonstrating that they can do certifications, they've been certified to a base level of competence and understanding. But with that comes the ability to demonstrate that on you know on the job. Uh, work experience, and, and that's where these guys can really show promise. I think. So that, that's a really good, um, it, you know, really good answer in this fact that um, future exams hopefully will be more case study based and practice based rather than, 
you know, multiple choices that they, you know, the person could have maybe found on the internet or through a book beforehand. So it's actually based on real life experience. So that leads me to our next question. Um, Martin, say, for example, you were looking for another ITAM or SAM professional to join uh, the ITAM review. You had one CV that was uh, qualified to the help with um, SAM, you know, certificates and SAM courses, but not much experience or someone that has maybe one or two SAM qualifications, but has vast experience, which one would you lean more towards? Is it, does the certification, would that win you over or would the experience win you over? Um, I think neither of those actually, David. You need to be slightly unhinged like me and you, I think. <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> no, I think... Um... Uh, it's a good question. So the, the options are I've got somebody who's qualified to the eyeballs but with no experience or somebody who's got a lot of experience with no qualifications. Yeah, exactly. So someone's basically gone, oh, this Sam looks interesting. I've seen some of the jobs out there. I'm just going to guard every course that I, you know, every qualification, every multiple choice thing that I can do. Or uh, someone that has been actively doing Sam for a few years but doesn't have the qualifications. Um, if I'm really honest... Um... We it's, that's not the primary thing we would be looking for for somebody to join the ITAM review team. It would be more somebody who's passionate about the, the subjects, regardless of what their experience or the qualifications are. But to answer your question, Don't the question. to answer the question, <laughs> it would be more, and this is uh, this is reflected actually in, in our salary survey as well, um, is it's more about the experience than the qualifications. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah, go on, Adam. You've got two CVs in front of you for uh, to join Licence Logic. One's experience, one's qualifications. Which one would you go for? Experience. 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 You can't buy experience, right? So. Very true, and you can buy. Well, you can't buy qualifications, but you can buy the resources and stuff required to pass. Yeah. Access qualification. You can't buy experience, and that's kind of unfortunate. You know, I mean. Um, these apprenticeships, I, you know, maybe it's just the U.S. vernacular. I, I guess that would be. I don't think we have those here in the U.S. Uh, or at least not very. Every time I think of apprenticeship, I'm thinking of a, a blacksmith or a. Just yeah. in the IT world, um, I think of internships. Maybe, maybe that's what you. Uh, I mean, I think we're quite lucky in the UK in so much as some of our courses that the government has actually funded um, can count towards, obviously, you know, it is the apprenticeship. So um, if you're unemployed or you're a certain age, then the government will, um, you know, provide some level of compensation to the employer. Um, I mean, my previous company that I was working for, um, we took from apprentice and it was it was wholly funded by the government um didn't cost the company anything apart from obviously anything that we wanted to put in place ourselves um via the training program you know that this uh this person did um she was fully microsoft certified by the end of uh you know by the end of the course plus we as the employer wanted to have her skills anyway so we put her on our own training courses um, going back to the previous thing about um, you know two CVs and everything else. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, Dave. I do apologise. No, no, that's no problem at all. Um, I think it goes. It depends. Not point with, with that one, but it depends on the industry. Uh, it depends on the company and the industry. Um, obviously, all rational people would say you know experience over qualifications, um, but that's mainly 
could be down to the fact that you know certifications are, are becoming uh, like a commodity, um, whereas work experience and everything else is um, you know it, it's just, as people have already mentioned cannot be purchased. But I imagine that certain companies and working in certain industries, regardless of you know, the experience that the person has, will need to demonstrate to their auditors. Um, that everybody who's employed is you know, certified up to a certain level. Now, the other thing to do with that one is you know, you take someone who has more experience than, than qualifications um, and give them, you know, put them through training courses or vice versa. You know, the people who've got the qualifications, if they're in a particular you know, role that allows them to, they will obviously gain more experience from their work. So I think it's um, I think it's a, it's a fine line on that one, and also depends on the company involved. Yeah, I think um, when I see a lot of jobs that pop up now on LinkedIn and Sam jobs in general, they're always asking for like a base core, you know, certifications, Microsoft certified, blah blah blah. But I think the Microsoft ones, they're only they're more about selling licensing rather than you know actually practice you know the the art of license management. So how important do you guys think that um, certifications or training accreditations are if you are looking for your next SAM role? So, for example, if um, I've got the experience but I haven't got a certification, would you would you recommend that I go out and get some cert, you know, basic certifications? Or do you think my experience would show over you know, someone who's got a bit less more experience than me but has got certifications? I think if I can jump in, I think um, certifications, as I said, mentioned previously, provide a base level of competence. Um, if you've got all the experience and everything else, but you haven't got the qualifications, then doing a certification um, should be no bother at all, to be honest with you. Um, and it will, I'd imagine a lot of recruiters, and I haven't spoken to a few recruiters in my time, um, <laughs> They just look at when they look through hundreds of CVs that get coming, you know, coming for a specific specific application. They are they've got way through these really really quickly. And if a particular candidate doesn't meet a certain base, um, you know, benchmark and everything else, regardless of what else they've got, they'll be just discarded straight away. So that might be the ideal candidate. It might be the perfect person, but because they don't have a industry recognised qualification. They'll be able, you know, they'll, they won't even get an interview. I think um, depending on the industry that they're going to go into, um, will also depend on the you know, the bad minimum qualification that they all need. Obviously, the US market will be different to the UK market as it would be to India, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I, I just to add to that. I mean, any education certification where there's some sort of exam, you know, just demonstrates that that you. Not only have the experience, but that you've in fact uh, been able to uh, prove that uh, you have the knowledge as well, or you've gained some knowledge. Uh, so it demonstrates uh, that you've retained the knowledge, and and uh, you know you can point to your certification as proof that you've retained that knowledge, as long as it's a fairly current uh, certification. It's not like twenty years old or something. You mentioned, Adam, about retaining knowledge, but one of the things that I really liked about your courses was the fact that it was based on real-life scenarios that could actually happen within an organisation, rather than being a, 
you know, you sit there, you do the interactive course, and it's just words and text, and yeah. you know, this is what you should do, this is what you should do. It was actual real life, you know, examples, if you like. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, maybe one day uh, we can sit down and, and, and uh, chat face to face, have a have a good time. But I, I really, when I develop these courses, and it's one of the, it's kind of the the. I don't know, the, the crux is that I spend a lot of time thinking about a story to make it interesting to the student. From whether I'm giving a live course uh, or a, a webcast or, or whatever, I want to try to relate it back to the student in a real-world experience. And, and, you know, with our courses, they're on demand. And, yeah, you're right, we do spend a lot of time and we want to make it interesting I could have, David, I could have had all my courses up in literally three days by just me taping a, you know, me giving a PowerPoint. I've given these, yeah. my courses hundreds, maybe over a thousand times, uh, the CSM around the world. I know it by heart. Uh, and uh, I, I could have given that as a PowerPoint, but I don't like to go through those. And, and I like a story. I like a movie. I like uh, scripts. I want you to kind of care about the characters that we bring into the fold and realize that, hey, this isn't all, you know, when you get an audit letter, it's stressful. Yeah. When you're, when you're going through uh, software asset management and, and some of these discoveries, they're complex. And I want to show that in our courses the best the best way we can and it's part of the reason why our last course the esm uh the expert software manager we have some other we have five courses developed right now uh, but it's the reason why that one's held up is because i got to get the story right this is uh this is the top one and get into really complex issues and so trying to figure out the right story to go with it to make it inter interesting, hopefully have it relate to the student, relate to the challenges that they find. Uh, you know, it's it, 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 it makes it different. It makes it uh, challenging for me, but I enjoy it. I that's that's my favorite part. It's coming up with these. How do you, how do you relate it to situations that people have yeah. gone through? And I used to. You know, my background is in 1998 to 2002, uh, I was working at the SPA, SIA now. And, oh, uh, bye, Adam. Thanks for coming. Yeah, right. <laughs> bye. I helped uh, put uh, three people in jail because of copyright infringement or helped put them in jail. No but way. I was on that side of the fence. I saw the, I saw the other side of the fence, but then I realized, wait a minute, these licenses aren't so crystal clear. There's, there's a lot more complexities. It's not always a, a black and white issue. You know, there's a lot of gray areas. And Absolutely. So now I'm on the other side of the fence. W welcome to the bright side. Um, uh, I agree. Welcome. You've been doing it longer than me. So, <laughs> um, Dave, the VCS is known um, for the, obviously, the foundation, Sam Essentials course, and the practitioner one. Um, I think uh, recently the practitioner course stopped. Are you, are you able to kind of tell us what kind of progress you're making with the new SAM courses and when we can expect to see, you know, 
hardcore practitioner Sam courses from you guys? Uh, it's a very short answer to that, and unfortunately, it's the answer is no. I can't tell you too much at the second. Um, but we, what, uh, what can I say is that um, we have recognised there's a um, issue, and uh, we hope to be addressing it. So they're in the pipeline. Yeah, essentially, yeah, we've had discussions, um, you know, about it, and not just internally, but also with our, you know, the BCS specialist groups and everything else. Um, uh, yeah, and we hope to address the possibility. Excellent. And Martin, if you were to create the ultimate ITAM or SAM course, what would you include in it? Wow. Uh, I love this. I love the stories idea. Um, and if we look at our events that we did last month in New York, um, it was the interactive and the uh, the games that people most like. So it would have to be an interactive course. With scenarios and little stories. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. we've got Adam, the Steven Spielberg of Sam stories here. So yeah. I, I keep it interactive. Yeah, we, that's what I, you know, that's what I found as well, Martin, when, when I've given my courses throughout the years was, it's not necessarily me or one of my instructors, the talking head, I like to say. It's, it's more the conversations, the give and take. And uh, you know the interactivity—that's that, what I've enjoyed as well. Yeah, just one of the things I was going to say is the way the market's evolving. It used to be that you have one SAM practitioner and you pick up a SAM qualification. I think the we've covered this on the iCham review quite a bit in the in the past. Is that the the the, the job role is evolving as well? So you have people that are going off on a fork towards a more business oriented level. You get a more technical, maybe inventory specialist or configuration specialist. Then you have process people. Then you have licensing people. Sam is not one role anymore, and I think um, it would be good to see the licensing certifications evolve like that. So they're a bit more modular. So you can still be a black belt in Sam, but you might build it up from different components compared to what you might have done in the past. And you can add then, like I'm also a black belt in like Oracle licensing or Adobe licensing. And can I can I chime in? Uh, that's exactly what we do with like our pro the ESM pro so that was my thought process going in was right now we have uh, the software license negotiation specialist soon we'll have the content licensing so professional journals uh, are very similar but they take on a different beast and you have to know more about copyrights uh, more about law I would say because you know people stealing images and putting it on uh, their their you know going to Google and stealing an image, putting it on their website. Uh, so that's exactly kind of the different take that we have with the SM Pro is that you know with, with all the different software asset managers out there, uh, they each may have a different interest or a different job role and responsibility uh, that's different from their colleague at another organization that also as a software asset manager. Yeah, good point. Um, last question to wrap up the podcast. If you, just in one one or two sentences, if there's someone now trying to get on a number of ITAM or SAM courses for their own development and to help um, with their organization, SAM structure, if you can give one or two sentences as to why ITAM is so important. If we start with Dave, why is ITAM education so important nowadays? 
I think um, simply because of the um, amount of money that's involved in some cases with regards to companies. Um, and obviously some very big companies, you know, there are license and compliance issues. So, um, you know, with regards to the deficits and that potential shortfalls uh, that these companies, some of these companies can have, um, there needs to be a level of, of an understanding of the complexities, whether that's managed in-house or via an MSP or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I think that's the, the, the big driver for a lot of companies nowadays. Adam, why, why do you think IT, um, education within ITAM is so important? Yeah, I, I'm biased, David. I always say uh, the only reason why you got to worry about hardware is because of licensing around it. Uh, so, uh, but but that's not true, not necessarily true. But but so I'm biased. I, I focus on software because of, of the complexities with licensing. So the to go back to your question, kind of the importance of uh, of it all and, and getting involved with with education. I think, you know, Dave hit the nail on the head. There are companies, uh, whether it's the publisher side doing the audits or the organization going through audits or an organization wanting to clean up their licensing, there's a lot of money at stake. And because of that, eventually, maybe not right away, eventually an organization realizes, oh my gosh, we have to get organized with our software licensing. Uh, and, and this is, there's a lot of money at stake. So if there's a lot of money at stake, I believe there's gonna be a lot more jobs that will be in this arena as these audits, as these uh, organizations get organized with their licensing, hey, we've gotta manage this. So there's there's more jobs uh, down the line. And I think that's, that's happening because of all these audits that we hear about and we see um, and then organizations realize, wait a minute, what, I don't want to get the next audit letter or, or I don't want to deal with this publisher anymore. Let's move to a different publisher. Let's move, you know, et cetera. Let's get, let's get better managed. Yeah. And there needs to be education around that. And finally, Martin, why is education and ITAM so darn important? So if you're sat at a end user organization today and you're considering whether to do a course, I mean, this is not a plug for, um, these gentlemen on, on the call, it's, it's just general good SAM advice, I think, is um, you're going to need, one of the biggest challenges is articulating the business case for SAM and actually communicating that to the rest of your team and your, your business, and you're going to get a good grounding on how to do that if you attend a, a, a SAM certification course, and you're going to need to put a bit a plan in place, you know, what we're going to do, what we're going to do first, what we're going to do next when I start doing SAM properly, and again, the certification course should give you a good grounding on that, so... Uh, and generally, you know, we, we talked about certification or experience, um, but I can't think of anybody that I've spoken to that has a good SAM job that doesn't have a basic SAM certification and probably something like ITIL Foundation as well to give you a good grounding on how the rest of IT works is pretty useful as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, thank you very much, gents. Um, that is, I'm a big advocate of education. I'm quite passionate on it, so um, I found that really interesting. Um, please check out the article that will be accompanying this podcast. We'll have all of Adams and Dave and their respective companies and bosses' details in there. Um, please obviously subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to our newsletter so that you 
are one of the first to hear about when our next podcast is out. Um, so, yeah, thank you. It's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Martin. Goodbye, folks. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks so much, David. And it's goodbye from Adam said goodbye. Our goodbye from Dave. No, <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you.